How are you today? Good, 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 good. What a pleasure to be here at Desert Stream. I'm going to have the technician uh, working this for me. So is it ready to go? All right. I want to thank Pastor Kevin, uh, his wife, and the leadership of this church uh, for giving me this opportunity to be here. It's always a pleasure, a pleasure to be here. So as he said, you know, uh, we are like uh, brothers from another mother. And uh, so, and by the way, I've been in the sun too much. That's why I have a tan. So, but we're brothers. We are brothers. So, so this is my family. Uh, uh, and, you know, we're working in the country of Haiti. Uh, and uh, whenever I put a picture like that, uh, it's not because uh, I want to put down my country, but it's because I want to see people, I want to, for people to see, and then, uh, we're trying to do something to get uh, the situation better over there. So this is the biggest shanty towns of Haiti, and we are working to, uh, in that country. So you know this building, and many people here have helped uh, big time into the construction of this building. After the earthquake, we built it, and this is the new building that... Uh, um, so we're trying to do things better and this is uh, again uh, the face of that building and this is the library uh, it's a very, we want to do things very beautiful and uh, get those kids to learn that things can be done with excellence and uh, this is a generator that we got uh, uh, I think uh, last year or this year and uh, you know we don't have electricity 24 hours a day and we were able to get that. Uh, uh, we don't have power in that school from, you know, the power line. And uh, sometimes they give it to us, uh, uh, you know, for three days, a week. Sometimes we can have a week, two weeks, three weeks, months. We never have it. So we're able to get this generator over there. This is the science lab. And this is, uh, again, uh, part of the science lab. And this is uh, the secondary section. And this is... Uh, the 10th grade, I was teaching in that class, and I put air conditioning in it. And 99% uh, of those kids, they never experienced having an air conditioning room. So I just wanted to get them that experience so that, you know, help them to think better. Have them, you know, they can have another perspective in life. So this is, again, the computer class. And uh, those that have laptops that you don't need, we need them. <laughs> so this is the primary class and uh, to the kindergarten, uh, kindergarten compound. And uh, we have about 816 children in that school. And, uh, and those two beautiful girls, my goodness, awesome. And uh, last year... We're able to do a drive where we're able to give books to the first grade, the second grade, and the third grade class. And somebody from here really helped big time, you know, with that project. And they were able to provide big time to buy books uh, for those kids. And we are hoping that next year, uh, I mean, this September, we'll be able to do that. And the reason why we do that is because we want those kids to start on the same level. And many of them, they have 
they come with their books. Some of them come with half. Some of them come uh, with nothing. And then it potters very late, uh, you know, when the teacher has to start. Uh, so uh, last year it was a great, great, great time because many of those kids, uh, all of them, they were able to start right in September with all their books. And uh, somebody, uh, the same person said that they're going to do that again, at least for one class for now. And they're trusting the Lord that they can do too. So pray that we can do much more for those kids in Jesus' name. So it's so beautiful to have that. Uh, so that was uh, some of them. Uh, that was uh, first grade one. And that had all their books. And that was so awesome. And uh, this is chapel service uh, in the church. And this is a pastor's conference that we do. Uh, and this is youth conference that we do every year. About four, five hundred young people come together to worship. This is the big uh, feeding program that we do. We feed about 900 five days a week. And uh, rice and beans. They love it. Yeah. So, and this is the 12th grade, uh, the 13th grade class, uh, you know, uh, sitting, uh, eating, and trying to do things in a very nice way. Uh, for them. So, and this is the big cafeteria, and we want those kids to sit uh, very nicely. Uh, so, we're trying to make a difference in that country. And last year, I saw you this picture, and this is uh, Spencer Elius. Uh, so, that was the second year uh, of the school. We started with 29 kids in a small room, uh, you know, 14 by 15 feet. About and uh, when I went to Haiti, I add uh, this part uh, on it, so that's where we started that thing. And uh, this is Spencer right now after 20 years. Um, so, this is the impact uh, last year. He went to Belgium uh, for an internship, and uh, right now I'm talking with him about uh, you know. Uh, putting a little medical clinic in the village. So this is the impact of what uh, we are doing. So it takes about 20 years, uh, you know, to raise a son, they said. So after 20 years, this guy is coming back, you know, to be a blessing and uh, as a medical doctor. And we praise God for that. We can clap. Thank God for that. Amen. So, and this is uh, like, again, the, you know, Cité Soleil. Uh, this uh, girl was doing her thing right there. And we're able to get three kids. Uh, I took this picture myself. And we're able to get uh, three kids in that area. And we brought them. This girl is from uh, Cité Soleil. And I got them uh, come. And these three came uh, last year, uh, last September. And we're able to bring them into our home and uh, into the orphanage. And you can see this girl, you know, how, you know, she didn't even have a good shoes, you know, when she came. And uh, so... We try to see, you know, we'll see how we can be a blessing to those kids. And you, I, I showed this picture many times, this girl, and this is the difference we can always make, you know, when we're trying to do something. And we want to continue to make a big difference. So uh, this is the building that we are in the process of building right now for the orphanage. We're hoping to put about uh, 40 to 50 children here, the first floor and the, sec the, the second and the third floor. And we are fixing, working big time. Uh, to make it very nice, and, uh, and uh, so this is how we do things. We build our own scaffolding, and we use what we have. And uh, so this is the building after plastering the outside. So we're going to use the first floor for Sunday school, classrooms, and then the second and the third will be used for uh, the orphanage. So this is uh, 
the stairs that we built uh, to get into uh, the building. And it's going to be a very, very nice building. So plastering inside. And um, so this is the space for a playground. Uh, we just ship uh, about three playgrounds uh, in Haiti. And uh, the Lord has blessed uh, us with that project. We're able to give 29. The, the whole project was about $29,000. Uh, and then we're able to give half of that money. And uh, so we have about half of that money left to give by October uh, so that we can have that. So this is very nice uh, to me. Uh, so the deal was to buy them in the U.S., ship them to Haiti, get them out of customs, and then a team will go down there to put them together for us to install them. So it's going to be a great blessing, you know, when those kids, one for the kindergarten, one for the primary, and one for the orphanage. It's going to be awesome for them. So I was inspired when I go there, when I went there to eat uh, some pizza with my kids, and I said, man, so this is, this is in the rich area place, the rich guys, those that have lots of money in Patreonville. So I said, why not for my kids? Why not for the kids? And I said, okay, I got a vision. And then I started thinking about it. It was too big when I saw it. But I said, Lord, you're going to help me, and I'm going to do it for them. So the Lord answered our prayer, and it's going to happen. So we have 78 windows that we're going to ship. Right now we're making a container, putting together a container. We have already the container box. Uh, we have 78 windows for the orphanage ready to port. We already bought 300 chairs for the cafeteria. We already have uh, three stainless tables and uh, three, st three sinks. Uh, we already bought that. And uh, we need about 10 doors. Uh, so we'd love to do this. And we, need, uh, we already have those tables. And then uh, we already have 20 mattresses that we're going to put into that uh, orphanage. But we'd love to have this piece of equipment because we're always in buildings. And also we'd love to put something like that in the container. And... Uh, so I just uh, show you those pictures, and maybe you know somebody might say, "Hey, I have one or that I'm not using." Hey, who knows? So we need to put some um, uh, concrete step in that building, uh, stuff like that. Uh, and uh, we really would love to have uh, five bunk beds, uh, you know, into that orphanage. So we have uh, two people giving us you know, uh, $400 uh, towards uh, those beds. So we'd love to put five of them in that container and also seven drawers. I would love to put for those girls. I'd love them to, you know, to have a beautiful place and learn even from that place that is so beautiful. And then they can go as a team and let's change, continue to change the face of Haiti. So let's pray for this, pro this project. This is a little call for my wife. And I know that she'll be able to be a blessing to us as she has that thing. So we have the car and we just need to ship it down to Haiti. And these are some of the numbers that we probably need. And uh, just pray. And uh, I always say that to people. Whenever I share my vision, uh, I, don't, I don't expect that people will think that they are my source. God is my source. But as family, as brothers and sisters, I can always share my vision. If God speaks to somebody, they can do something. If God say, do something, I say, praise God. 
If God says, don't do anything, I say, praise God. Because God is the source. And that's the way I see it. Amen? So I just want to thank you so much for being uh, my family. Thank you all the sponsors. Thank you all of you that have been a part of helping us do what we are doing in Haiti. It's not easy. It's not easy. But I am very optimistic. You know why? Because God is allowing me to do something. If I was not doing anything, then I could be pessimistic. But I'm not going to be pessimistic. I'm going to be very optimistic. So thank you so much. All of you, sponsors, all of you that give towards whatever going on in Haiti, all of you that receive sometimes the funds, you know, Sister Cheryl, man, thank you so much for receiving those funds, and Sister Amanda, and then send them, send them to me in Haiti. It's beautiful what you're doing. And this morning I talked with somebody, he said that, man, I'm 74, I cannot travel to go to Haiti. I think it was Brother Rod who said that. He's 74. I said, no, you're not, seven. you're not too old to go. Come and see me. I ask you, please, whenever that door is open for you to come and see me, come. I'd love to have you. So, love to come and help further Haiti much further. Amen? I have a word that I'd like to share with you today. Uh, it's a word that you know. You know, I'm sure that since you were a child or a little a young person, you've heard about the story of David and Goliath. So, I was reading, and I was doing a Bible study with my kids. And then, I used the story of David. And while I used the story of David, God began to talk to me in that chapter. So, we will see what the Lord will do. In this thing. Amen. Say with me, Lord. Bless Brother Bennett. Help him to do a good job. In Jesus' name. Amen. David Brooks recently cited his New York Times colleague, David Bernstein, who points out that much of American journalism is based on a mistaken theory of change. The theory, the world will get better when we show where things have gone wrong. As a result, Brooks notes, much of what journalists do is expose error, cover problems, and identify conflicting you. Here's the problem. We leave people feeling disempowered and depressed. People who consume a lot of media of this sort sink into this toxic vortex. Alienated from people they don't know, fearful about the future. They are less mobilized to take action, not more. The solution, according to Brooks and Bostein, is to point to solutions to show people what they can do in practical terms to make a difference with the massive problems we face. We as Christians, we have the responsibility to point 
people to solutions and even part of the solutions. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 17, we read the story of the people of Israel was going through a hard times in their life. Like us today in Haiti. They were oppressed by people who make them feel inferior. Living in mud, garbage, like that girl that you saw in that garbage pile. Smelly waters, open sewers, dust, not good roads to drive onto. I still remember that I was coming from Jack Mel, going to Port-au-Prince, and I was in a place about five minutes down to Port-au-Prince. It was 3.10 on the afternoon, 3.12, and it was 8 o'clock. I was not even in Port-au-Prince yet. So it took me about three hours or more to get to Port-au-Prince in a road where I can drive for five minutes. People are living without electricity, running water. We are led by corrupted leaders, selfish and non-visionaries. We are terrorized by armed gangs who are armed by big people in the nation. We are terrorized by deputies, senators, and judges who sell justice. 60 years is the life expectancy in average in Haiti. 80% of Haiti lives in poverty by UN standards. 54% of Haitians live in abject poverty, meaning that there is no chance that they will rise out of that poverty and stand for themselves. The situation is catastrophic. What do we do as leaders? Leaders are not really necessary if there are no challenges and difficult seasons. Leaders are both developed and revealed in the trials of a difficult season. Napoleon famously say, stated, the role of a leader is to define reality and then give hope. The role of a leader is to define reality and then give hope. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, a man by the name of David was going to give hope. And this is how the scenario played. The prophet Samuel had received an order from God in 1 Samuel chapter 16 to fill his flask with olive oil. Go into Bethlehem to find a man, a man named Jesse who lives there. Go. You're going to find a man. It requires faith to go when you don't know where you're going. Why do you want me to go to Bethlehem? I want you to go, Samuel, because I have rejected Saul as king. After 42 years of kingship, I have rejected Saul. My prayer today for you and for me is saying, Lord, it doesn't matter how long I've been serving you. Help me to continue to serve you. 
I don't want to come at the, you know, at a point in my life where I have to stop serving you. Help me to say like Joshua, me and my house, we will, we will, will, future tense, we will serve the Lord. After five years, I will still serve the Lord. After 10 years, I want to serve the Lord. After 20 years, I want to serve the Lord. After 30 years, I want to serve the Lord. After 40 years, I want to serve the Lord. I don't want to be rejected. I just pray that prayer for you that you will stay in the house of the Lord all the days of your life. Amen. Say, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. After 45, 42 years of kingship, the Lord rejected Saul as king. And I have selected a new king. Why did God speak to Samuel? Why did God speak to Samuel? David could have had the desire and just said that I would be king. But I understand something. Every level of leadership that God graces you to achieve will involve both a sender and a receiver. David could have woke up and said, man, I'm, gonna, I'm going to be king. Maybe he had a desire in his heart. But it requires a sender and a receiver. Before you move forward in any leadership endeavor, be sure that you are sent and never let it be said that you just went. Because everything in the world operates under God's authority. And authority always flows downward. Don't forsake your current assignment and responsibilities to pursue something new without the blessing of your current leadership. If the change is from God, it will confirm it with your spiritual authority. Many are sent and many just went. Do not choose yourself. Never point yourself to yourself. Or never point yourself to you yourself. John the Baptist points to Jesus. Jesus points to the church. The church to us. Do not be said. Let it not be said that you just went. But let it be said that you were sent. So God spoke to Samuel. But Samuel had two obstacles. Lord, you told me to go to Bethlehem, but I have obstacles. You never know. You never, you've never been in a situation where God speaks to you and uh, you say, man, I've received a word from God. But you don't know how to go about it. It still takes faith to go whenever God speaks to you. I love what Pastor Kevin said this morning. Even though that you know deep in your heart that God has called you to be with that wife or that man. But still takes faith to go. <laughs> Samuel, the man of God, mighty man of God, he had two problems. The first problem that he had, he did not know who God was going to choose. Many of us receive a word from God, but not knowing what to do. Many times, God gives us a glimpse. And as we started moving, the portrait 
will be drowned. Sometimes God will give us a word. And he just wants us to get into that vehicle. It's like a vehicle. When we drive a vehicle at night, we turn on the light, the headlight. So as we move, the headlight is lighting up our way. If I'm going now to a restaurant downtown, if I turn on the light, it will not light up all the way to downtown. So it has a move step by step. As I move step by step, so my road, my way will be lighting up. And I think this is the same way as we stay in the word of God. And when he gives us a word, the word will light up our way and we'll just move step by step by faith. So Samuel did not know, but somehow he just wanted to move by faith. So that was the first obstacle. The second obstacle that the men of God had was, the men of God said, I do not want Saul to know. Because if he knows, he will kill me. I thought that whenever God gives you a word, everything will just flow very easy. I did not know if there was killing in it when God speaks to you. I understand that it's not always necessary to reveal immediately what God has revealed to you. For the heart of man is wicked. You just need wisdom to know when to do that. So Samuel has been a prophet for so many years. He has been in the church for years and we, he received a word from God. And he's now facing obstacles. Samuel, a man of God, did not know what to do in order to go accomplish a mission that God has entrusted him or given him. His feet were tied up with the vision. How would I go, Lord, because that vision is from you? I don't know how to do it. This is the Lord. This is what the Lord speak to me when I was reading this. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 2, this is how the Lord is going to answer Samuel. He said to Samuel, but Samuel said, ask. Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul is a it, he will kill me. In that same verse, it says, this is what you need to do. Take a heifer with you. The Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. This is the secret that the Lord gave me in that verse. When you don't know what to do, bring a sacrifice. When you don't know where to go, just bring a sacrifice. When what you have cannot be a harvest, make it a seed. When you don't see your harvest or breakthrough yet, activate the breakthrough with a sacrifice. I'm supposed to go to the university. I'm supposed to send my children to the university. But I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm supposed, amen, to build my home, but I don't know how I'm going to do it. I know that God has given me a word. I know that God has given me a promise, but I don't know where to go and how to go about it. When you don't know how to do it, bring a sacrifice. Oh, my goodness. Just recently, you know, I was thinking about my children. I don't know how they're going to turn out. I know I'm going to do my best. I know I'm going to train them. I know I'm going to teach them. But sometimes, you know, as parents, you're wondering how your kids are going to turn out. 
But I said, Lord, I may not know how they're going to turn out. I'm going to try my best, but I'm going to keep bringing a sacrifice on their behalf. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you because I want to bring a sacrifice when I don't know what to do. We can clap to him. Let's do that. In verse 3, it says, you will invite Jesse to the sacrifice. While doing the sacrifice, the prophet had a discerning spirit that allowed him to identify and anoint David. We did not have the external quality. I'm sure that many of you, sometimes you want something. You need to do something, but you don't know. Ah, don't know for you, but sometimes I'll be in the shower, and I'll be singing a song. I'll be worshiping the Lord while I'm in the shower. And while I'm in the shower, the answer will come. In the midst of praise, the answer comes. Let me tell you something. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the call. He answered David. He said, anyway, that man, he may not be qualified according to an external appearance, but he's good inside, and I'm going to qualify him. But you know, David got anointed, but that anointing was going to be tested. The first test of the anointing, let me tell you something, my friend. Whenever you receive an anointing, that anointing will always involve a test. Your destiny. Everybody that sits under the sound of my voice here right now, you have a destiny and God has been anointed you. But you've got to ask the question. It's not the what, but it's the why. Why am I anointed? Why this unction is over my life? I don't have that unction. I don't have that anointing for no reason. I've got it for a reason. And that anointing will always involve a test. Your destiny will always involve a test. The test will aim at either you want to be a blessing or you just want to be blessed. I don't want just to be blessed. I just want to be a blessing. That anointing that I have over my life, it's anointing to be a blessing. The test, the anointing was going to be tested. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 4, the Bible says that Saul was tormented by the spirit of fear and depression. In verse 17 it says, one of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Can you say it with me? Harp player. I begin to understand that there is no distinction between the secular and the spiritual when you are in God. After you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, everything you do should reflect the Christ in you. Whether in church, the workplace, the marketplace, or in sports, wherever you are. Let me tell you something. 
If you are in the business world, whatever you are doing, it's anointed. It's not secular. It's sacred. If you are an educator, it's not secular. It's sacred. Whatever you do, if you have Christ inside of you, it's sacred. There is no difference. Because you're going to use whatever God has given you to serve humanity and to serve God's kingdom. David was a talented harp player. And he's going to show King Saul that he's anointed. He was also a brave warrior, a man of war. He has good judgment. He's also a fine-looking young man. And the, Lord, the last thing is the Lord was with him. So somebody in the palace knew about David. That's why I say that life goes at the speed of friendship. God, life goes at the speed of relationship. Somebody knows about him. So someone in the palace knows about the potential of David. And his, his potential was going to be maximized. When you have potential, whatever you have is a potential. But how are you going to maximize that potential? That's what matters. God does not want you to have a potential that is dormant. God wants you to use that potential and maximize it. And that's what David was going to do. Many of us have potential but never get to maximize it. Serving people. A dormant potential is a potential that is never serves any purpose. You lift yourself by using your potential to lift others. David will never be what he was if he didn't have that opportunity to serve King Saul. Serve anybody. Even though Saul was rejected by God, but God used David to serve him. David was going to serve Saul and play music to make him feel better. I could not understand that, Pastor Kevin. How can a man anointed by God serve a man rejected by God? Let me tell you something. God was using the madness of the rejected one to work on the heart and attitude of the new king. How do you see people that maybe when they are in the world, they seem to be rejected? God has called us to serve everybody. It doesn't matter if you think that they are rejected. <laughs> but God is seeing your heart when you, when you serve them. I have somebody in Haiti just recently. They told me all kinds of bad words. All kinds of bad words. Somebody even told me that I wish you were dead when they shot you. That was very hard. But I never got better. And just recently, that person wrote me a note saying, can you help me? I need, I need some help. 
And I was ready to help. Maybe some of you, somebody rejected you or said all kinds of bad words about you. But you know what God is doing? He's using that to check your heart. How are you going to react when that happened? So God was using Saul, that situation, to work on, uh, on David's heart. Because he was going to, to use David for a greater purpose. Do you want to be used for a greater purpose? <laughs> Don't get mad at Saul, at Saul. But just serve him. David was serving Saul. The king he was going to replace. If you want to replace Saul, learn how to serve Saul. The test is not for Saul, it's to check your heart. As long as Saul is there and he calls on you, go and serve Saul. So the first way that the anointing can be tested is when you are willing to serve people. It doesn't matter who you're going to serve, just serve. The potential that you have in you right now, if you are a builder, it's a potential. If you are a businessman, it's a potential. If you're a teacher, it's a potential. Even if you're a coffee drinker, it's a potential. Use it for the glory of God and serve the world and serve God's kingdom. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, this is the second way that the anointing was going to be tested again. The anointing was going to be maximized again. In 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 10, the Philistines said again, Goliath, I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. The whole nation was terrified. It's like many of us. We are terrified spite of the potential that we have inside of us. You cannot be terrified when you have potential. When you have the potential of love, you cannot be terrified by hate. When you have the potential to love people, you cannot be terrified by racial discrimination. Because the love of God that I have inside of me is greater than racial discrimination. I love people. I will love people. I don't care what they say about me. I don't care if they say that I come from a third world country. I know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I know that. I know the love that is inside of me is greater than the hate that is in the world. I know that. And that's why I'm not going to be terrified by hate. When you have the potential of blessing, you are not terrified by lack. You have potential. You have potential. Even though that Goliath is terrifying people. But there is a David that says, I'm not going to be terrified. Because I've got potential. David was a warrior. A warrior needs a battle plan. 
How do you fight your battle? How do you fight your battle? This is how I fight my battle. The Christian battle plan is backward to the world battle plan. It's backward. In the kingdom of God, up is down. Left is right. Wrong is right. Gaining is losing. Last is first. And living is dying. In the kingdom of God, to be exalted, you must be humbled. To be strong, you must be weak. To be a receiver, you must be a giver. To live, you must die. If you want to lift yourself up, lift up someone else. This is how we fight in the kingdom of God. How do you fight your battle? How do you fight your battle, desert dream people? How do you fight your battle? The second thing that uh, you need to know when you are in this battle, you need to know your weapons. What do you need to know? You need to know your weapons. Yesterday, somebody took me, Brother Ryan. I went to visit their home, and uh, man, he began to ask me, do you want to shoot? <laughs> I said, man, I'd like to try. It's a good fun. And I went outside, and I began to use those, how do you call them? Whatever, weapons. Huh? Rifles. You need to know your rifles. <laughs> you need to know your weapons. Oh my goodness, I have something to tell you today. You need to know your weapons. Saul, King Saul, think that I should try his armor to fight Goliath. But I cannot fight with Saul's armor. I cannot fight with Saul's calling. I cannot fight with Saul's armor. David said, I'm not used to this armor. I'm not used to them. I am David. I will not fight with the with, I will not fight the war with Saul's armor. You've got to get your own armor. Young people, you got to get your own armor. Whoever is here, you got to get your own armor. David said that my armor is my slingshot. My armor is my singing talent. My armor is my harp playing talent. My armor is that I have, I am beautiful. I am handsome. I am awesome. I have value. This is my armor. My armor is my shepherd bag. My armor is my responsibility in the church. My armor is the Sunday school class that I'm teaching. My armor is my years of volunteering in the church. My armor is the revelation, the rhema word. The knowledge built inside of me from the word and from taking my responsibilities. This is my armor. David protested to Saul, I cannot go in this. I'm not used to them. Your armor is your armor, King Saul, but let me put my armor on me. This is the Lord. This is what the Lord has showed me. 
You might think that you need something else to fight Goliath. You don't need something else. The potential that God has placed inside of you is the potential that you're going to win, you're going to use to fight Goliath. What do you do in the church? Do you stand in the door greeting people? I must tell you, if you know what you're doing, this is part of your armor. Do you mop the floor? If, do you come here to clean the church? If you're doing it unto the Lord, that's, that's a weapon you have in your hand. Do you teach Sunday school? Do you beat the drums? Are you in the sound booth? What do you do? Whatever you do is your armor. I used to think that you need something extraordinary to fight Goliath. Let me tell you something. If you are a mop sweeper here, whatever, whenever you are going through something, go to the Lord and say, Lord, this is what I do for you. I pass the mop in the church. I clean the church. I'm in the sound booth. This is what I do for you. I'm the coffee, I'm the coffee booth. I'm serving you, Lord. This is my armor. And you can kill Goliath with it. David said, uh, David protested to Saul, I cannot go in this. I'm not used to them. My armor, I'm going to put my armor. This is your armor. When you're going to face Goliath, use your name. Not the name of somebody else. Use your word. What is the word that God has given you? Use the word that God has given you. Use the revelation that God has given you. The rhema word that God has given you. Your gift, your skills, plus God's name. These are your weapons. You know why I can walk today as a Haitian coming from a third world country? I walk with my head lifted up. I'm not ashamed of who I am. You know why? Because I receive a revelation from God telling me that I'm so wonderful. I'm in some. I'm a king. I'm a king. I'm the son of the living God. I get my value from him. And that's why wherever I go, you might talk, you might say I'm, I'm, I'm from a third world country, but I don't care because I don't have a, a third world mentality. I have a kingdom mentality. With me, please. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Train with your slingshot. David heard about the defiance of Goliath, but because of his relationship with God, his perspective has changed. Your perspective is supposed to change with your po when you change with your change of position. I was sharing this with Pastor uh, Kevin the other day. You know. God said to Abraham to change position from a tent to outside to see the stars. Abraham was inside the tent, and Abraham could not have a big vision. But God said to Abraham, get out of the tent and look, in, look up there and see those stars. And I'm going to make your descendant as plenty as the stars. Let me tell you something. When you change your position from 
where you were yesterday to where you are today and you are with God. God is going to change your position and change your perspective. Abraham had a new perspective when he left the tent to go outside. Then God said, you know, the sky is the limit because it changed position. David had a different perspective because of his relationship with God, because of the rima word that he has received. I'm almost done. In verse 40, chapter 17, it says that David picked up how many, how many stones? Five. From where? From a stream or a brook. What did he get after that? He got his shepherd's bag. The old shepherd's bag. The old shepherd's staff. And what he did again? He took again a slingshot. Nothing new. That was the revelation that God gave me. <laughs> Nothing new. Nothing new. He just took five, five rocks. He used to take five rocks. He took his same slingshot. It was not a new slingshot. It was not a new shepherd bag. It was not a new staff. And he said, I'm going to fight Goliath. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at his ruddy-faced boy. And he cursed David by the name of his gods. He cursed David. Let me, let me tell you something. Do not minimize yourself. What did I say? Do not minimize yourself. When you used to use your slingshot, when you used to have a shepherd bag, when you used to have a staff, do not let anybody minimize you. And do not minimize yourself as well. Don't walk with people who will mock your destiny in unbelief. I'm not going to walk. I don't choose to walk with people that will mock me. That will mock my destiny in unbelief. I know the vision that God has given me and I'm going to pursue with it. Why did he do that? Why did Goliath curse David? You know why? Because he felt great from the outside. Man, when God gave me that revelation, that was so powerful. It's not the greatness outside that will kill the giant. It is the greatness inside. How great are you inside? Let me tell you something, my friends. Battles are won inside. People are loved inside. People are honored inside. People are lifted up inside. People are valued inside. People are happy inside. Where do you get that joy? Where do you get that smile? Where do you get that peace? Where do you get that love? Inside. You will curse people and treat them badly if your greatness comes from what people can see from the outside. If your greatness is defined only by these, you are not really great. 
Some people are so poor, the only thing they have is money. One thing that the Lord told me when I was reading this, you cannot be dominated by two greatnesses. You cannot be dominated by two greatness. You got to be the great inside or humble inside. Or you got to be the great outside or humble outside. But you can never be dominated by two greatness. I must decrease so that it can increase. Lord, I pray that you'll increase inside of me. Increase inside of me. Increase inside of me. Make me great inside. Oh, hallelujah. Indeed, in Jesus' name. In verse 46, today, David said, the Lord will conquer you. And I will do something with you. You know why Goliath was felt so big? Because he was big from the outside. He was tall. He had big biceps. He has big voice. When he walk, everybody scares of him. Because he was great on the outside. Oh my goodness. I don't want to be great on the outside. I don't want people to make me think that I'm great on the outside. Oh, inside. Amen. Amen. Verse 46. The name today the Lord will conquer you. And I will cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. Your potential is to show the world that there's a God. Oh, yes, that lives inside of you. And the prophecy that I want to prophesy over today, and I want you to prophesy over me, over Haiti. The reason why David did that, two reasons. I'm done with those two reasons. He did it because of the name of the Lord. Somebody was defying that name. The name of the Lord. And he did that because of the people of God. He was sick and tired of the king and the people of God being terrified. Terrified by poverty, sickness, sin, misery, lack of medical attention, depression, fear. He was tired of that. The same way for me, I'm tired to see what's going on in Haiti. I'm asking you today that you will speak, you will pray for Haiti. That those Goliath that stand in that country, terrifying the nation of Haiti, that God will send a David or many Davids that will go and say no more. No more, no more. I speak over you today. Any Goliath that you have in your life that's terrifying you right now, you'll rise up with the potential that God has given you and you will go and you say no more, no more. 
no more. Don't be afraid to use uh, the slingshots. Whatever you're doing for God today, use it. Tell the enemy, this is what you've got. God has not called you on the podium. But what God, whatever God is doing, is calling you into, it's your slingshot. Just use it. Whatever Goliath that's standing in front of you today, I come against it now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing in the lives of your people. I thank you for the leadership of this church. Lord, I know that uh, there are many Goliaths uh, that stand uh, in front of this work. But Lord, in the name of Jesus, we're going to conquer them. We're going to conquer them. We'll start, we'll maximize our potential by serving people. And we'll maximize our potential by facing Goliath with power, the power that we find in your name. We thank you for what you're doing in this place. And more needs to be done, and more will be done. We thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. It was a pleasure to be with you. God bless you. Amen. 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 Bless the Lord. Let's stand together this morning. I'm going to invite you to come. If you'd uh, like to just pray over Bennett, we're going to pray for him this morning. Close our service in prayer. And uh, I want to invite you to come up and if you'd like to, and lay hands on him. If you've been to Haiti, come on up here and lay hands on him. If you'd like to go to Haiti, come on up and lay hands on him. If you just like the idea of Haiti, come on up and lay hands on him. Uh, but we want to pray for him in closing this morning. And uh, I know some of you have to go. Our, your kids are running around in the parking lot already and uh, all that kind of thing. So I, I get that. Um, we'll make sure nobody starts their car yet. But uh, let's lay hands on our brother. Uh, he is, if, you go to, if you've been to Haiti before, you know that the contrast when you see what Bennett's doing and what most, most of the country looks like, you realize he's doing everything with excellence, raising up people, students that are going to change the nation and the future of Haiti. Amen? Father, we lay hands on our brother this morning, and we thank you so much for what you are doing in his life. We thank you, Father, that, God, he has looked at the weapons that you've given him. Father, his own slingshot, his own bag with stones, Lord, and he's looked at that and said, I can defeat the enemy with what you've given me. I can take down the enemy with what you've given me. And I don't need somebody else's armor. I simply need what, God, you have provided. And, Father, today in Jesus' name we lay hands on our brother, and, Lord, you have equipped him and you have called him, and as Barry would say, if you call him, then Father, uh, and you equip him, then Lord, if you order it, you're going to pay for it. You're going to make sure it takes place. And so, Father, today in Jesus' name, we recognize that everything that you have called Bennett to, everything that you've ordered him to, Lord, you have provided for. Father, we thank you for that school. We thank you for the hundreds of students that are being uh, changed. Uh, Father, many of them who come, and the only meal they get all day is the meal they get at school. Uh, Father, that not only does their, their spirit get ministered, to, but their body gets ministered to as well. We thank you, Lord, that the whole man and woman is being ministered to in each one of those students. And Father, we pray blessing on them right now in Jesus' name. That that school in Vignay would be a shining light, Lord, throughout the entire nation of Haiti. And the Father, the students from there would not just go to Belgium, but Father, to many other countries of the world, Lord, being uh, trained and educated even further so they can go back to their home country and change it for the glory of God. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing there, and we bless him today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And, Bennett, I, I just want to 
I just want to prophesy this over you. And I, I believe I've said something similar to this to you before, but I need to reiterate it. Daniel chapter 6, the spirit of excellence that was on Daniel is upon you. The spirit of excellence oozes out of you. You, you will walk in excellence on mistake more than most people do on purpose. That the spirit of excellence is even coming out of you and is fitting you and positioning you and repositioning you. We just say yes and amen to the calling, the election, the purpose, the dream of God. And we call forth that spirit of excellence to come to the next level. And, and as, as uh, we were in the prayer room earlier today, I, I, I really feel I, I heard from the Lord. And he's saying to you today that it, within three months, you're going to meet a significant person that is going to position you for politics, going to position you to take your place because the nation needs the spirit of excellence from the head on down through. And the anointing of excellence coming out of your life in this season shall shift the nation. In Jesus' name, we decree it right now. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What? Okay. Amen. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Thank you so much. Don't forget to stop by the table. Uh, you can sponsor a child. You can get vanilla. You can get coffee. You can be blessed just as he's being blessed by you. Bless you this morning.